Hey guys, thanks for joining us today. One of the things that energizes our teams the most is being able to hear stories of lives that are impacted by this ministry. We would love for you to share your story with us by emailing it to stories at newcommunity.co or maybe your next step to getting connected to what God is doing in this ministry is partnering with us financially. You can do that online at www.newcommunity.co or through the PushPay app and find the giving option that works best for you. Thanks so much for tuning in and enjoy today's message. Good morning, NCC. How are you guys doing this morning? Good. It's good to see each of you here. I hope you're excited to be here. And if you're our guest, if this is your first time, I want to start by introducing myself. My name is Aaron, and I am the lead pastor here at New Community Church. And we're a church that's passionate about making people and places new. And I hope that while you're here with us this morning that you see that and see that desire in our heart. And we, um, before we kind of jump into the message this morning, I want to do something. I, I don't think they're in service with us, um, but they were in first service. We have a couple here who are going through something in our church, and their names are Hector and Anna. I think we have a slide up on the screen for them. And Hector's been facing some physical complication. They are an amazing couple. They serve almost every Sunday, help put out the donuts and the coffee that we all enjoy and are just a great example of who Christ is. And Hector's going through a transplant that he needs to have in his body because of some health reasons. And so I wanted to just pause. We're a church body this morning and um, just pause for a moment. We just want to lift them up. They had to head out after first service, but we just want to pray with them that God would be with them as they walk through this process and through this surgery that Hector um, would have healing in his body. So church, can you join me this morning? Let's just bow our heads and let's pray together for them. God, I thank you for Hector and Anna, Lord. I thank you for the blessing that they are to our church. God, just their heart to serve, to give, Lord, the example that they are of you to people around them. And I just pray that you'll touch them right now this morning, God, that you'll touch Hector's body. And Lord, over these next few weeks, God, as he has this transplant, Lord, that you would bring healing and wholeness, Lord, that the symptoms, Lord, and the physical trouble that he's been going through, Lord, that your hand would be upon the surgeons, God, you would be in this process and you would bring healing to him, God. Let him feel the love and the support of his church family around him this morning, God, and we pray this in your name. Amen. Amen. We're going to leave that up for just a moment, but if you want to bless them, you can do that. Um, they have a GoFundMe um, to help with some of the medical expenses with the surgery and everything. And so um, you can write that down, Hector's Transplant Journey, and you can go to the GoFundMe site and um, be a blessing to them if God lays that on your heart. Well, we are in our third week of this series called To Whom It May Concern. And I love this about the Bible because every part of the Bible is different. And as we've been walking through almost the entire Bible now, starting at Genesis all the way back in September, and we've seen different parts of the Bible. And so there's the narrative, there's kind of the storybook parts where it reads kind of like a story and you, you're following characters and finding out what's happening. There's songs in the Bible. And so we've had a series where we talked about the different songs and some of the poetic literature, some of the poems in the Bible, and then even some of the historical accounts. And for the next number of weeks, we're walking through letters. These are handwritten letters that were given to different churches and even to different individuals that lived so long ago, but they're speaking truths. And, and so as we look at these, these letters talk to us about the way that we're living our life and how we're growing as Christians. They're letters that talk about how we're to honor one another in marriage, how we're to handle our finances, the power of our words. And, and so it's so amazing that even though these letters were written thousands of years ago, they're still speaking to us today. 
And there's things that we can learn from these. And so this series, it's so great as we look at what God is saying to us and how God wants to grow us spiritually and how God wants us to interact with those around us. And so that's the series that we're in. Now, if you've been coming to NCC for a little bit, you know that almost every week I start with some kind of story from my childhood, something that's happened in my past, or maybe even more recently, something with my kids, and then we start talking about the Bible. But this morning, I want to just take you um, down a little bit, a trip down memory lane of what it was like to be Aaron Escamilla growing up, okay? Some of you guys may know this. Um, I think I've shared it before, but I was born in Oklahoma, um, right around Tulsa, Oklahoma is where I grew up. Isn't that guy so cute? I'm the littler one. Um, almost all these pictures have my older brother, Michael, in them as well. But when I was about that age, we lived in a town called Bristow, Oklahoma, and I lived in what was known as the White House. I assumed when the news talked about the White House, they were talking about my house, but it was a lot smaller. It was just this two-bedroom small house with one bathroom, and um, my brother and I lived there, obviously, with my parents, and my grandpa lived with us for a little bit, too. And so that was me growing up, and kind of the mindset, even though I thought I lived in the White House, um, it was okay because I was a little kid, and I really didn't know any better at that point. And then as I got into elementary school, we moved to a town called Shirley, Arkansas. My parents became pastors in Shirley, Arkansas. There I am in elementary school um, as a little young boy. And so that's where I spent a lot of my time, developed a lot of friendships. Um, that's where I got my accent. So if you ever hear me say a word and you're like, that sounds weird. Does it sound like a Texas word? Yeah, it's probably from Arkansas because that's where I spent some of my time growing up. And so you can thank Arkansas for that. And then whenever I got into middle school, in my freshman year of high school, we moved to New Jersey. And my parents um, planted a church in West Orange, New Jersey. There were no other churches there at that time. And so we helped start a church. And that's me and my brother um, did the track team there, did the swim team, went to part of my high school years there. And then I moved to Colorado and ultimately moved to Texas um, and went to college at a Bible college called Southwestern in Waxahachie. And I'd love to tell you that that's a wig, but it's not. That's really my hair, you guys. And as a college student, I thought it'd be funny to try to dye my Afro blonde. And obviously that doesn't work. My hair was too dark. And so I tried to do it myself. I didn't go to a stylist and do this. And I ended up burning my scalp with the bleach and developer. And it was really painful. And I had to shave it off because I looked more like a clown than a cool kid, okay? So that's me whenever I was in college, and then we moved up to Illinois, and we recently, you know, we moved back down to Texas, I guess not recently now, but we lived in Texas for um, almost the past, I guess, eight, almost nine years now. So this is a more recent picture. So the reason I take you down that little trip down memory lane of what it was like to be Aaron, because you can see automatically when we start um, in Bristow, Oklahoma, the little Aaron that was there, just the, the toddler guy, and who I am today, it, it's different. I'm the same person, but I've grown, obviously I've matured. And you put those two pictures, that first picture that you saw next to um, the person that's standing in front of you today, and it's easy to see, hey, I'm not exactly that same person. And it's probably good. I don't know that you'd want a little four-year-old kid that thinks he lives in the White House to be your lead pastor. And it's probably good that you don't even have the guy with the clown afro as your lead pastor because I've grown up since then. And so you can see that development. You can see that growth. It's apparent physically in my life. But when it comes to our spiritual life, it's not that easy, you guys. Like you can't just take a picture of yourself 
when you started serving Christ and look at yourself now and physically you can't see that difference. I mean, there are churches that sometimes do that, that try to put some kind of physical um, limitations or some kind of physical thing on how we grow spiritually, but it doesn't work like that. I remember one church I was in, they said, hey, if you're saved, you've shaved. Okay, so all of the guys with beards, I guess that would leave us out, okay? Or some churches that say, hey, you don't have tattoos or you dress a certain way. And that's wrong because it's not your physical appearance that shows your spiritual maturity. It's not even the time that you've been in church that shows your spiritual maturity. There's many people in the church and they've just been having the same experience with Jesus over and over year after year. So what is it that lets us know, hey, that we're maturing? How do we grow and how do we see that? And I think there's a few things in one of the letters that Paul wrote that talk about how do we know that we're growing? How do we develop maturity-wise in our relationship with God? And so if you have your Bibles, turn to Ephesians chapter 4, and we're going to start reading at verse 11. And if you didn't bring a Bible, that's okay. We've got you covered. There's a Bible in the seat in front of you. It may be one or two seats over, but you can open that up and turn to page 569. And I want to encourage you to do that and follow along with us and read these words as we're discovering and we're looking at the letter that Paul is writing to the church in Ephesus. And before we read this, you need to know this. Um, Paul had been in Ephesus for a few years. And these were people that were coming, once again, from a non-church background. They didn't grow up as Christians. Okay, They didn't grow up in the church. And so they're bringing a lot of things with them. And so they have this radical conversion as they start to believe in who Jesus is. And as a part of that, they, they actually took some of the books and some of the, the books of magic and, and all of those things, and, and they burned them as a symbol of, hey, we're leaving that behind and we're starting off in Christ. So they had been following Jesus for a few years, and at this point, Paul's writing to them, telling them how they continue to grow. You started off with God, but how do they continue to mature in their faith and develop in who God is calling them to be? And so in this letter, we see this this letter from Paul that he's writing in the church about how they develop, how they grow, and how the church continues to be built. And this is what it says, Ephesians 4, 11. And he, talking about Jesus, gave apostles, prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry for building up the body of Christ until we all attain the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning and by craftiness and deceitful schemes, Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ. So what is Paul saying here? Paul's writing to the church. Once again, these believers who are just starting off, who have been serving God, some of them for a few years, and he's talking to them about not getting stuck about not stalling out in their relationship with God, but continuing to move forward, to grow up. And this is what he gives them. Hey, the picture is that we would become like Jesus, that we would continue to grow into the fullness of who Christ is, that your life and my life, that we would reflect who Jesus is. The desire is that we would mature, that we would become men of God, women of God, and that we would continue to grow and mature into who Christ is calling us into. And this is what he's saying. This is why God has established the church. This is why God has given us the church. It's why he's given pastors and apostles and prophets. He's given them as a gift to the church so that we're moving towards maturity and that we're there together. We're united as the body of Christ to do this. The goal is maturity. 
And so there's two things that I felt like stood out that I want to give you this morning that I want us to look at here as we move towards maturity. A movement towards maturity, it's not about what you get, but what you give. As we look at moving towards maturity, it's not about what I get, but it's what I give. That's what Paul is talking about as he's writing to the church there. He's saying God has given pastors and apostles and teachers, he calls them shepherds here, to equip the saints for the work of ministry so that all of us together, we're building up the body of Christ so that we'll attain the fullness or the unity in faith, the knowledge of God, to attain the full measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So it's each and every one of us together, we're maturing so that the body of Christ can grow. And so it means that we don't come with a mindset of, hey, I'm here to get something, but I'm here to give something. And I think we've missed this so many times in American church culture and the churches here in the United States because we have this mindset that I come in here on a Sunday morning, I kind of sit through the worship service, I hear a message, and that the pastor is somehow spiritually feeding me, right? Like the pastor somehow, he's going to give me something, he's going to give me a word from God, he's going to open up the scripture, he's going to say something, and it's going to help get me through the week. And then if I do that enough, and I'm here enough, and I sit through enough messages, I'll just naturally grow and mature. But that's not what Paul is saying. That's not the reason why pastors have been given to the church. It's not so that you can sit here and we can say, okay, just give me something, let me receive, let me get something. But it's actually so that we're giving It's that we're all moving together. We're all growing together. We're maturing to the place where our life and our spiritual walk with Christ isn't just about us, but it's about what we're giving to others, how we're ministering and how we're building up the body of Christ. And so why did God give pastors? I mean, we don't talk about this in church a lot. It kind of feels weird for me to stand up here and say, hey, here's why I'm placed here. But the letters that Paul is writing, it talks about this. And it says, here are the reasons that God has given pastors to the church. I'm here and I have a responsibility every week and at different times throughout the week to open up God's word and to help you understand it better. That's part of the reason God gave pastors to the church is that I'm opening up God's word. I'm helping you understand it better. Now, I want you to hear this. It doesn't mean that I'm the only one explaining what God's word says. It doesn't mean that the only time that in our church, in this body right here, in this group of believers, that the only time God's word is being opened is on a Sunday morning. But it does mean that I have a responsibility to help you understand that more and that you would be able to take that and share it with family members and friends, that you would grow in your knowledge of God's word as I'm opening it up, that you would understand that. And so it's not just limited to one person. As a pastor, I'm responsible to bring vision and leadership to the church. I need to bring direction where God is leading us and where God is taking us. It's this imagery that Paul talks about of a shepherd, that the shepherd is leading the flock of sheep and he's taking them to a place where they can grow, where they can prosper, where they can be taken care of, where they can multiply, where the sheep will become strong. And a pastor in a similar way is leading the church in that same manner into the place where God is calling us. So we're strengthened. So we're growing in that. And then what Paul talks about here in Ephesians 4, that I am called as a pastor and our pastoral staff, we are here to equip you guys, to equip the believers, to help the body of Christ do the work of ministry. So it's not just us doing it, but it's all of us together. And I think the danger staying in church world or in coming to church for so many years is that's not the model that we've lived out. We've let church 
be something like this, that you sit there and you're like, okay, I'm going to get something. I'm going to receive something. What's the church going to do for me? And then I go out and try to make it through another week and not really challenging each other that we're supposed to be giving and maturing in this process. And I think part of the problem is pastors. But can I just be honest? We have egos and we have pride issues. And I like the image that, hey, I'm doing it and I'm kind of the superstar of this church and I'm kind of the superstar of ministry. And we have so many pastors that stand up every week and and they're trying to create these powerful messages that no one else can really give or no one else can present, right? And there's pastors and they talk about it at leadership conferences that are working 30 or 40 hours almost their entire week to talk for 20 or 30 minutes. And they're coming up with messages like this where everything rhymes. Hey, we're people and we have problems and God has a purpose. And so if you'll just submit to his plan in the middle of the pain, God's going to show you his prompt, you know, and everything rhymes and everything sounds the same, but we leave as the church like, man, I can't do that. And my, when I share the gospel, it doesn't sound like that. And so what do we do as the church? We think, well, then I'm just supposed to come and I'm just supposed to get, that's what I do. And the pastor's the one who gives. And then we have people here sitting in our churches that are never growing and they're never maturing. Why? Because that's not the pastor's main role. It's not the pastor being the superstar, but it's each and every one of us, church. I want you to hear that. That's what Paul is writing to the church. We're moving towards maturity. And what is it? It's each one of us. It's the entire body building up the body of Christ. If we're going to accomplish the vision that God has called us to, as we talk about investing in the next generation, as we talk about impacting the community, it doesn't all rest on my shoulders or on a few people's shoulders here on this staff or in this church. It's each and every one of us. It's you, church, looking at how God has equipped you and you saying, how am I building up the body of Christ? How am I doing the work of ministry? How are each and every one of us using what God has placed in our life to serve other people? Because if you want to mature, if you want to grow in your relationship with Christ, it's you using your gifts to minister to other people. It's not just you coming saying, hey, I need to receive, I need to get something, but it's you coming and saying, hey, I want to give. I want to invest in this church. I want to make a difference and I want to use what God has placed in my life to build up the body of Christ and to help others mature and to help others grow in their faith. Recently, I was listening to a podcast and it was kind of talking about this idea. And it said, they were talking about how sports teams kind of divide up their payroll and how they play or how they pay players um, to play on the team. And they said, you have basketball. We're in basketball. If you guys follow basketball, you have some really big superstars out there, right? And they said, it's wise for a basketball team to take the majority of their payroll, whatever they have for salary, and to pay that superstar and try to get them on their team. That person is going to kind of lead the team. He can run from court to court, the slam dunk, the layup, whatever it is, the three-point shot. He can kind of carry that team in some ways when you're looking at basketball, it makes sense. But they said every other sport isn't like that. And you look at something like soccer, and they said you have soccer teams who are pursuing the superstar, but it's not the best use of their money because of how big the field is, because of how the game is played. And you don't need just a superstar forward who can kick in the goal, but you need strong midfielders, the guys in the middle of the field that can clear out the ball, or you need those tackles right by the goal, or you need the goalie that's going to stop the shot. And so they said in soccer, it's better to divide that up, not to go after the superstar, but to get some solid, great players all around. And as I was listening to that, and I was thinking about that, I think, I thought, man, God, we've been 
doing church like it's a basketball team where we're looking at one person and we're thinking, hey, what the church does, it's all dependent on the pastor when it's more like a soccer game. We need each and every one of us on the team, each and every one of us doing our part, what God has placed in our life. If we're gonna mature, if we're gonna grow, it's gonna take each and every one of us doing what God has placed inside of us to serve and to give and to build up the body of Christ. And so the question I have for you is, are you moving towards maturity? Is this thing just about what you can get? Or are you coming in here every week and saying, God, what can I give? What are you calling me to give, Lord? How do I use what you've placed in my life to serve other people, to encourage others, God, to build up your church, to help accomplish the vision that you've called us to? Because church, I strongly believe this, that the best messages should not just be preached from this stage. Some of the most powerful things that are said about the Bible should happen in your office, in your workplace, right where you're at all throughout the week. Those conversations should be amazing. What God is speaking through you and what his spirit is doing through you as you open up God's word and as you share it with a friend over coffee, with a family member over dinner. Some of the most powerful messages shouldn't be just here on a Sunday morning, but at your mailbox. When your neighbor walks out and you start talking to him or her and they start to open up about what's going on in their life and you open up scripture and you start to talk about what God's speaking to you about and you share that with them. See, that's growth towards maturity, church. It's that mindset that it's not just spiritually what I can get, but it's what can I give, God? What can you do through me? And my prayer is that at New Community Church, that people wouldn't just come here because they think the messages are awesome or the worship is great, but it would be all of us as a body serving together, that the stories that we would hear would be, hey, I'm here in this church because of the welcome team member at the door. And when I came in the first time, they made me feel like this was a place that I could belong because of the welcome team that are in here helping you find your seats. And it's people saying, you know what, whenever I came in, they asked me about my day. They asked how I was doing. They didn't just open the door, but they were a smiling face. And they let me know that this was a place where people cared about me. We want stories where people are here because of the kids workers that are giving your kid a high five and are making this a fun and an exciting place because of our worship team members, because of the way that they lead and the example that they are of who Jesus is and that we would say, man, I'm here because I see the way that they worship. I see what God's doing in their life and I want more of that in my life. See, it's each and every one of us using our gifts, using what God is doing in our life. And if we want to move to maturity church, it's not us just sitting in a seat for an hour on a Sunday morning thinking we're just gonna grow. It's each and every one of us building up the body of Christ. Each and every one of us using what God has placed in your life to build up others and to encourage them. That's what movement towards maturity looks like. That's what it means to grow up in Christ. That's what Paul is writing to the church in Ephesus. Don't get stuck where you started at. Don't get stuck right where you began at, but continue to grow and use what God has placed in your life to help others move forward in their walk with Christ. It takes each and every one of us to build the church and to move towards maturity. But he doesn't just stop there. If you still have your Bibles open in Ephesians chapter four, verse 14, this is what he says. I'll read this again. 
We're moving towards maturity. God has done this. We're all building up the body so that we'll no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves or carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ. Rather, speaking the truth in love. How do we move towards maturity? It's when we speak the truth in love. That's a part of us growing. It's a part of us encouraging others. We know that we're moving towards maturity when it's not just about us. It's not just about what we can get, but what we can give. But also when we're honest and open enough, when we know each other well enough that we can speak the truth in love. That's what Paul is talking about here, that we would encourage one another with our words. And as I just begin to think about what this looks like, how this speaks about maturity and how he's saying, hey, we're going to grow up if we will do this, speak the truth in love. We're going to grow up in every way into becoming more and more like Christ. How does that happen? It happens through the relationships that we have with one another. Church, I want you to get this. I want you to take a moment. I do this from time to time. And just look around. Don't just stare at the person's um, head in front of you, the back of their head, but kind of look around the people sitting next to you, the people sitting behind you. This is your church body. And can I be honest? You're not going to mature if your idea of church is I come in a little bit late or I come in right as worship is starting. I head out the doors as soon as Pastor Aaron prays that closing prayer. You're not going to mature because you don't have anyone in this church that's speaking the truth and love into your life and you desperately need that to grow up into Christ. Just coming and just sitting next to one automatically, just sitting by someone isn't gonna help you necessarily mature week after week. It's when you open up your life to someone else that you begin to grow in that. It's whenever you come 10 minutes early or you stay 10 minutes late. It's when you get to know someone's name. Whenever you talk to them about what's going on in their life and you encourage them. You take what God has been speaking to you and you share it with other people. You speak the truth in love. It's what you do. And how can we do that? It's because we know each other. I don't know if you've ever had that awkward moment where someone you didn't know tried to correct you either as a kid or maybe even as an adult, where someone that you didn't know, they came over, they went out of their way to tell you that you were doing something wrong, and it kind of feels awkward, like, hey, shut up, I don't know you. What are you doing? We don't have that relationship, right? But it's different when someone that's close to you, even though it's still hard, but when someone that's close to you that knows your life, that's there week in and week out, whenever they come to you and they say, hey, I see this in your life, and I think it may end up hurting you. This is going on, and and I don't want to see you go down a path that's going to cause destruction, and I want to see you grow. I want to see God's best for you. It's different when there's love there. It's different when there's relationship there. The truth may still sting a little bit, but it's different when that person's close to you, and they begin to speak, hey, this is what I see is happening in your life. Church, that only happens when we're in relationship with each other, when we know each other, that we can get that intimate, and we can know what's going on in each other's life. And I think about with my own kids, I talk to them differently. Why? Because I know them. And whenever Aiden, our little guy who's seven years old, whenever he messes up, I talk to him about, hey, here's the decision that you made. Here, here's what's going to happen if you continue to do that. But I talk to him about it in that moment. 
Whenever Angela, our 14-year-old, whenever she's going through something, I'm not just talking to her about what's happening in that moment. I'm talking to her about the habits that she's making in the future, about the woman of God that God wants her to be. Whenever I talk to Josiah, who's now 18, one of our older guys, and he's moving into adulthood, I talk to him not just about who he's going to be, but the weight of that responsibility. It's not on Sarah, his mom, or me as his dad. It's now on him. He's an adult now. And see, as we speak the truth in love, as we know each other, we're going to be able to talk about what's really going on in our life and not just speak in generalities, but we can speak specifically. Church, that's why we encourage you to be in groups. That's why we talk about that all the time. That's why it's so vital that you're in a relationship, not just here on a Sunday morning, but throughout the week, groups that meet in homes all over the place. Some of them meet every week, some of them every other week, but it's important that you're around other people who know your life, who know what's going on, and that can encourage you and challenge you. And can I be honest? It's not just for you, it's for others because they need what you've got. And they need to know what God's doing in your life. And we speak the truth in love, not just that we receive it, but that we're also able to give that out to other people and to encourage them. That's how we move towards maturity. Not by trying to do this thing alone, not by trying to do it ourselves, but by being in a body of other believers who are gonna encourage us, who are gonna challenge us. In the letters, this letter that Paul wrote, even though it's thousands of years old, is still true today. That if you want to grow up, if you want to move forward in your relationship with Christ, it's not coming in here with the perspective of what am I going to get? Aaron, can you give me something that'll just help me get through this week? It's about saying, hey, I'm called to give too. I'm called to give called to use my talents and my gifts to invest back and to help the body grow. If you want to grow, you want to move towards maturity. It's speaking the truth in love. It's opening up your life, being around other people, not trying to do this by yourself, but being around other people who can help you grow and who you can help them grow and move forward in their relationship with God. And church, I want to pray for us that this is the kind of church that we would be. That we all of us as individuals here at this church, that we would be moving towards maturity, that we would be growing up. And that these mile markers, these things that we see, that they would be apparent in our life, that other people would be able to see them, that we're maturing.